This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by The Beard Club and by HelloFresh. So electricity is something most of us take for granted, despite it seeming like sorcery to anyone who was alive 120 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we plug our electronics into the wall and they, they gulp up that sweet, sweet electricity that they love. Wow. But it's easy to take for granted how dangerous electricity is. Trained professionals wired up all our cities and homes in a way where it just works. And you've got to either be really unlucky or really stupid to experience firsthand just how deadly and how dangerous electricity actually is. Yeah, uh, if you've ever wanted to undo all of the idiot-proof aspects of electrification, well, good news, you freak. Because with a few dollars and a quick trip over to Amazon.com, you can score one of these innocuous-looking cords. And what's the big deal anyway? It, I mean, it just looks like any other extension yeah. cord. Well, aside from the fact that it has two male ends, that is and that the slight difference from your typical male-to-female extension cord is actually absurdly, stupidly dangerous. Yeah, so usually around Christmas, some people out there get a bit overwhelmed with wiring up all those Christmas lights, and they realize, oh crap, the end of the Christmas lights is closest to the power outlet is the female end. Well, I'll just head down to the hardware store and get an adapter. Uh, but then once they get there, they're greeted by signs like these. These are not made. They should never be made. We will not make them. We will not help make them. And there's enough examples of this kind of signage that we have to assume it's a lot of people coming in and asking for them. And the reason that no reputable vendor will ever even entertain the idea of selling one of these things to customers is summed up pretty nicely in the nickname that these cords have. Suicide cords. Ah! And for a more specific explanation, here's the Consumer Product Safety Commission. The extension cords have two male ends, a three-prong plug, and are generally used to backfeed electricity to a residence during a power outage by connecting a generator to an outlet in the home. When plugged into a generator or outlet, the opposite end has live electricity, posing a risk of serious shock or electrocution. Additionally, the flow of electric power in the direction reverse of that of the typical flow of power circumvents safety features of the home's electrical system and can result in a fire. The short length of some of these cords also encourages use of a generator near the home, which could create a risk of carbon monoxide poisoning. Furthermore, these cords do not comply with applicable national safety codes, such as National Fire Protection Association 70. Yeah, so that warning from the Consumer Product Safety Commission was published just last week, which is somewhat odd timing. Mm. Uh, it's not a lot of these things are reactionary. I don't know. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, for one thing, it's not Christmas. For another thing, like they said, the cords are illegal in the U.S. and have been for a long time. And again, no reputable vendor will ever sell these things. They've made that clear. But that's where Amazon comes in, because Amazon's marketplace is full of disreputable vendors willing to meet consumer demands for a device that can very easily kill the user in multiple different ways. It's the most American thing I can think of. You, you, sh you should be able to do and buy whatever you want, regardless of the clear and present safety dangers of such a device. We got that thing you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Staples. We've got that. We're not doing much else business, so we'll sell these little electrical... <laughs> no, uh, Staples does not do that. Yeah. Do they even exist anymore? Well, I think they got a, you know, a cash injection from selling the stadium over to crypto.com, so... One can hope. Mm. Anyway, it seems Amazon has now finally addressed the issue with these suicide plugs being on their marketplace and removed the listings after being called out by the CPSC. But there's plenty of screenshots out there of very innocuous-looking product pages that used to be listed on Amazon. Uh, so this one here even included this gem in its description. It can help protect your family and keep them safe. <laughs> Well, clearly this thing is not going to hurt anyone. Yeah. It says so. Let your kids play with it. Mm -hmm. The user reviews underneath it were a real mixed bag. This guy here gave it one star and said, 
This violates every electrical code out there. It is insane that these are manufactured. I do not normally write in all caps, but do not use this. This product should not exist. It not only violates pretty much every electrical code out there, but it will kill you, someone you care about, or burn your house slash shop down. At the very least, it will destroy something expensive if you somehow manage to use it without a fatality. I didn't even think this could exist in this day and age, and this isn't some backyard electrician who makes their own. There is a fact somewhere that makes these. <laughs> Holy crap. I just, uh, in this day and age, I just can't believe it. This is the guy that wrote the sign down at the Ace Hardware. Yeah. God, you need to make that sign a little bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, so there were some five-star reviews, though, um, from the survivors, uh, like this one. Great for recreational electricity <laughs> use. I use it to plug one outlet into another directly below it in buildings I don't like. Oh. It also works great for supplying live electrical current up to about a foot away from the wall it's plugged into. Don't touch the exposed end when it's hot, obviously, but it's a convenient way to start electrical fires as desired. <laughs> uh, and here's another five-star review. I plug one end into a standard 120-volt AC socket and the other into my pool to kill all the frogs. 10 out of 10 would buy again. See, now that guy I understand because he clearly lives next to that kid that yeah. bred an army of frogs. For some reason, a million frogs have descended upon my pool. If you've There's got a better idea, do. I'd like to hear it. I'm talking about frogs that you can't just wipe out all at once. But now that I've killed a million frogs that were in yeah. my pool, well, it's getting real stinky around here. Yeah. I'm getting birds all over the place. There's shit everywhere. As long as the birds are close enough to within a couple feet of my wall outlet, though, yeah, that's my business. <laughs> and I am free to do with those birds whatever this I wish. This is America. Yeah, I've already killed thousands of frogs. You think, you think I give a shit about birds? <laughs> They're not even real anyway. Yeah. So anyway, that's why the Consumer Product Safety Commission took a break from its usual job of issuing recalls of specific products and also blowing up dummies with fireworks every year. To issue a more general, just do not ever buy anything that looks like this warning. Uh, but in addition to being called out by the CPSC for selling suicide cords, Amazon was also sued last week by the state of California for anti-competitive practices. Amazon's really taking it on all sides this week. Yes, they uh, are. <laughs> so since Amazon's such a massive vertically integrated company, you can accuse them of anti-competitive practices from a number of different angles. But this case is specifically about how Amazon treats its third-party vendors and the effect that this has on prices everywhere else. Uh, here's the Associated Press. California is suing Amazon, accusing the company of violating the state's antitrust and unfair competition laws by stifling competition and engaging in practices that push sellers to maintain higher prices on products on other sites. The 84-page lawsuit filed Wednesday in San Francisco Superior Court mirrors another complaint filed last year by the District of Columbia, which was dismissed by a district judge earlier this year and is now going through an appeals process. But officials in California say they believe they won't encounter a similar fate, partly due to information collected during a more than two-year investigation that involved subpoenas and interviews with sellers, Amazon's competitors, as well as current and former employees at the e-commerce giant. In the lawsuit, California Attorney General Rob Bonta's office said Seattle-based Amazon used contract provisions to effectively bar third-party sellers and wholesale suppliers from offering lower prices for products on non-Amazon sites, including their own websites. That, in turn, harms the ability of other retailers to compete. Uh, and here's the New York Times with more specifics on how this all works. The lawsuit largely focuses on the way Amazon penalizes sellers for listing products at lower prices on other websites. If Amazon spots a product listed cheaper on a competitor's website, it often will remove important buttons like buy now and add to cart from a product listing page. Those buttons are a major driver of sales for companies selling through Amazon and losing them can quickly hurt their businesses. That creates a dilemma for marketplace sellers. 
At times, they can offer products for lower prices on sites other than Amazon because the cost of using those sites can be lower. But because Amazon is by far the largest online retailer, the sellers would rather raise their prices on other sites than risk losing their sales on Amazon, the complaint said, citing interviews with sellers, competitors, and industry consultants. Quote, without basic price competition, without different online sites trying to outdo each other with lower prices, prices artificially stabilize at levels higher than would be the case in a competitive market, the complaint said. So basically, if you're an independent seller, if you sell only on your own website or on smaller non-Amazon marketplaces, you miss out on a ton of potential business because Amazon has become the one-stop online shop where 38% of all online sales in the U.S. actually happen. But if you go through Amazon, you not only have to pay them seller's fees, but you also have to basically forfeit the ability to sell anything anywhere else at lower prices. Since Amazon is so huge and accounts for so much online shopping, the California AG says that this has had an anti-competitive effect on product prices across the board. Yeah, these sellers are getting desperate. They're selling suicide cords. Look, there's a market out there for it, okay? <laughs> They're getting very desperate. They wouldn't yeah. be doing this if uh, Amazon wasn't stifling competition. So now, much. I don't know if that market is uh, growing because of the desperation out there in the world, but uh, hey, who am I to ask questions? I just sell the court. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Don't tell me what you're doing. Literally, legally, you cannot tell me what you're doing with it. Mm-mm. Once they leave my bunker from Idaho, they are yours to do with as you please. I assume you're going to disassemble it and uh, put it back together in a way that is legal and safe to use. It's a gag joke. Don't, yeah. don't buy this for real. <laughs> uh, and if you do, it's only for recreational use. Yeah. It's just for Recreational for electricity use. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, comes out of that lawsuit. I mean, first of all, no lies detected. The, it's exactly what Amazon has done, but yeah. they're also very powerful. This makes sense because uh, I've definitely a couple times seen like uh, products that look interesting or whatever, and I'll go to the website and be like, yeah, no chance. And then yeah. you go onto Amazon, and it's like half that price. Yeah. Uh, and it's through and, the actual verified seller, too. And that's in addition to Amazon uh, just straight up uh, using their own analytics to edge out their highest sellers by yeah. being like, well, I could pay someone in China to make that same thing for way cheaper. Did I, I don't know if you report on it in here, but did you see the Amazon Basics Bible? No. With Ford by uh, Jeff Bezos? No. Yes, yeah, so you can apparently buy, unless it's doctored, I don't know, I didn't look into it, but the uh, yeah, someone was sharing a uh, screenshot of the Amazon Basics Bible. But that's just an example of, yeah. of them looking at things and being like, all right. Well, that's selling great. Time to undercut. Uh, we are our own like <laughs> white label and drop shipping service, basically. Yeah. But uh, yeah, previous attempts at similar cases to this elsewhere have not succeeded. But it does sound like California may have prepared for a tough fight. But speaking of Amazon, uh, you know, like I said, they're dealing with a whole lot of mm. whole lot of trouble on all sides. Yeah. A whole lot of drama is particularly right now at one of their subsidiaries, which you may know of, uh, a little website called Twitch. Uh, first off, son, Twitch has a bit of a gambling problem. Twitch needs to call the card on the back of the brochure. Yeah, uh, and we're not going to get into the weeds about how this subject suddenly gained traction. Crypto. It involves a lot of big names in a world that we're both too old and too normal to really fully understand or Train care about. Train XQC. Uh, <laughs> Basically, a big Twitch streamer was outed as being a degenerate gambler who had scammed money out of fellow streamers and even his own fans to fuel his addiction. That one was, I believe, slick, but not to be confused with the other slick name that was accused of something else. Speaking uh, gibberish to me. Don't care. Yeah, I, I have broken my brain this week trying to follow it. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, it, there's a lot of changes that were announced uh, immediately after, and it's been a, a wild ride, and it's also made me feel very old. Yeah, but Good. yeah, 
So uh, that particular streamer apparently mostly gambled on sports, but the situation highlighted something that people have been complaining about for a while. The massive popularity of gambling streams, which are often just streamers pulling the lever on virtual slot machines, ones that they are not so uh, discreet about hiding the fact that they are being paid yeah. uh, exorbitant amounts of money to do so. They're playing with house money. Um, in a lot of cases, but yeah, they, sometimes in some cases they lose a little bit more than the house money. Yeah. Uh, so Twitch's core audience is, of course, pretty young. So it's it's easy to see the, this as promoting gambling to children, especially considering the special fina- financial relationships that a lot of gambling streamers have with the online casinos that they use on stream. The slots has recently been among the top 10 Twitch categories, higher than Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. Jesus Christ. Uh, Previously, Twitch banned affiliate and referral links to gambling sites, but in the wake of one of its biggest streamers being outed as a degenerate gambler and increasing backlash from other top streamers, uh, they're now going uh, further. Here's uh, Fortune. Twitch, the popular live streaming platform owned by Amazon, is targeting one of its most popular categories of streams. People pulling virtual slot machines. On Tuesday evening, Twitch announced on Twitter that as of October 18th, websites that offer slots, roulette, or dice games that are not licensed in the U.S. or other jurisdictions with sufficient consumer protections can no longer be streamed on the platform. Twitch said that it had seen some people expose our community to potential harm. The policy change comes just days after some of the platform's most popular streamers threatened to stop streaming if Twitch didn't change its policy on gambling streams. Popular (laughs) streamers like Iman Anis, who streams under the handle Pokimane, mm-hmm. uh, began to discuss a strike to push Twitch to ban gambling from its platform. Streamers suggested a boycott over the Christmas holiday, a peak period for ad sales. Quote, that'll hurt the most, suggested Anis, the world's second most watched female streamer in the second quarter of 2022, according to analytics company Stream Hatchet, during a streamed conversation on Sunday night. So Twitch banned gambling. Hey, they did it. Kind of. Sort of. Uh, Their statement on the matter says, so we'll be making a policy update on October 18th to prohibit streaming of gambling sites that include slots, roulette, or dice games that aren't licensed either in the U.S. or other jurisdictions that provide sufficient consumer protection. These sites will include stake.com, rollbit.com, dualbits.com, and rubet.com. However, we may identify others as we move forward. We will continue to allow websites that focus on sports betting, fantasy sports, and poker. That uh, definitely still leaves room for plenty of gambling on stream. So it's unlikely that gambling on Twitch is really going anywhere. Yeah, Um, that's just a new meta. They just added a new meta. Well, so the uh, they're basically banning stuff that isn't run by American companies in American jurisdictions where it's legal. Like in California, you can't legally bet on sports aside from like fantasy or whatever. But in New York, New York or New Jersey, you can. So it's like. Twitch kind of has to follow the regulatory guidelines here. And a lot of these companies were using crypto yeah. to subvert the legalities of this. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. you buy some, some cryptocurrency, you go on a foreign website that's headquartered in like fucking Cyprus or something. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And meanwhile, you're turning, you're like some of the biggest streamers on Twitch are turning this Amazon owned platform, live streaming platform into a billboard. For, yeah. uh, uh, in some cases, shady gambling sites uh, yeah. it, where people can lose hey, money kid, very easily. How, how much fun I'm having. This is awesome. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, still though, even if this is a half measure, much of the positivity that Twitch garnered from this gambling decision, it just immediately was undone less than 24 hours later when Twitch announced some changes to how they split revenue with popular streamers. Uh, so for most Twitch streamers, the money from subscriptions is split 50-50 with Twitch. But 
for their top streamers, Twitch has often sweetened the deal with a more favorable 70-30 split. Well, starting next June, once those contracts are up, the 70-30 split only applies to the first $100,000 that the streamer earns through subscription revenue, and everything after that is split 50-50. Obviously, if you've ever seen those Twitch leaks or just done some basic math on how many subscribers certain streamers have, it might be hard to feel all that bad for them, especially once you factor in, you know, bits uh, and other donations through third-party stuff. But uh, a small handful of very rich people are going to be making slightly less money. Oh, no. But those very rich people now also have a much bigger incentive to start shopping around elsewhere at places like right here on YouTube, who should really be getting their live streaming act together right now. It's weird that this whole thing has basically been in beta for like six years. It's It's And they just uh, lost like, you know, a good portion of their gaming team. Uh, I'm sure that they have filled those roles, but also like, there should be a little bit more, uh, you know, conversation between Susan, specifically gamers, but like also just yeah. any kind of live streaming because it is literal fucking garbage on YouTube. Yep. Yep. So bad. Uh, so, yeah, Twitch is where the core streaming audience lives. But if another service wants to match a streamer's previous contract, they might jump ship. Or if the cut is better, which it will be by June, because yeah. YouTube is traditionally 70-30, plus it now has super chats and all that kind of stuff. Um but uh, what this really does is it hurts, um, I don't want to say the middle class, but those streamers that ha- that are big enough to have just, yeah. in the past couple of years... They're earning a healthy income, but... ...been like... able to pay, pay their bills and do streaming full-time all the way up to the people who, uh, you know, are but, very wealthy. But I don't know how many middle class streamers had the special 70-30 cut. Like, I feel like that's... I mean, they, they even said, I think it's like the top, like, 1% or yeah. less, so... I assume it's all the people that are millionaires already. Yeah, so, you, I mean, you, you would know, hope. Boo-hoo, uh, obviously. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, as for why this is happening, aside from Amazon's greed, uh, Twitch's blog post on the change does point out how expensive Twitch's overhead costs are, which you might not think about. But yeah, streaming live high-quality video from hundreds of thousands of users 24-7 is not profitable in most cases. Even VOD. YouTube is a company that uh, is uh, yeah. bare, like touched profitability infrequently. Yeah. The, the few streamers on Twitch who do have large audiences basically subsidize the bandwidth for streamers who barely anyone watches. Mm-hmm. And this is true of YouTube as well, by the way. They're, they lose money on probably 99% of the videos that go up here. Mm-hmm. And it's true of uh, pretty much any other service that lets you share large amounts of video free of charge. Uh, But here's the part in the blog post about that. Lastly, we have to talk about the cost of our service. Delivering high-definition, low-latency, always-available live video to nearly every corner of the world is expensive. Using the published rates from Amazon Web Services' interactive video service, IVS, which is essentially Twitch video, live video costs for a 100-CCU streamer who streams 200 hours a month are more than $1,000 per month. We don't typically talk about this because, frankly, you shouldn't have to think about it. We'd rather you focus on doing what you do best. But to fully answer the question of why not 70-30, ignoring the high cost of delivering the Twitch service would have meant giving you an incomplete answer. And look, this is a mostly valid point. Um, Only one Pinocchio. Yeah, as many have pointed out, including many streamers, um, using the example of someone who streams 200 hours per month to an audience of 100 is kind of insane. I mean, that person definitely exists. They have to. But they are not the norm. 200 hours a month adds up to 6.6 hours per day if you're going every single day, or 10 hours per day Monday through Friday. 
Again, people do do that. That is, uh, you know, if right. as long as those are active viewers that are subscribing, uh, that is potentially livable. That's almost uh, for a young person. Yeah, that's that that's probably doable. I, yeah, I I think you're probably doing okay, yeah. but your health, I don't know. Yeah, your mental <laughs> health and your physical health are probably not taking good. a bit of a toll. Yeah, um, and yeah, so it's, it's just very weird that Twitch is using this figure as a baseline. Uh, when what they're describing is actually extremely unhealthy, physically and mentally. Yeah, uh, well, so here's the thing, though, is like the I, I sort of agree with where they're coming from. Obviously, it costs money to operate their servers. Um, they should probably be doing a better job as far as um, the ads that they are able to get on the service and the quality of them and all that kind of stuff that kind of offsets the cost. But also, it's Amazon that owns the company. If Twitch was a completely... Uh, you know, uh, uh, independent co- uh, company, you'd be like, well, yeah, of course. But they're yeah. owned by uh, a multi, multi-billion dollar, almost trillion co- dollar company. And the the Twitch uh, ecosystem, you could uh, argue, is partially responsible for the development of Amazon's live offerings, their Prime VOD offerings, and all of that kind of integration that would have been extremely expensive for them to develop on their own. So you have to, in some way, kind of like, hey, look, this has kind of taken a bit of the burden off of what we would typically have to do. Yeah. Because now we can stream fucking Lord of the Rings in 4K HDR to every TV or every living room that wants it or Thursday night football, which, by the way, you can gamble on uh, that. they That was like today, too. They were like yeah. uh, yesterday, like gambling's banned. Today, Amazon has partnered with DraftKings to bring you the best in football gambling. I'm getting whiplash. Yeah. But yeah, sounds like just uh, a lot more ads. Eventually, it'll be the the typical broadcast television, 44 minutes of uh, gameplay for every 20-something 20, 20, uh, minutes. I mean, we're of, on a platform uh, <laughs> right now that has vocalized the idea of putting five to ten ads in front of YouTube videos, and that's not ideal. That's why we uh, suggest that... Uh, YouTube Premium, It's I think it's a great deal. I haven't had to voluntarily watch a YouTube ad in years. And the few times I have to when I'm like... You know, someone else's phone or something. I'm like, get, get this out. What the fuck? Yeah, it's the definite. It's definitely the ethical yeah. way to do it is getting YouTube Premium. But also, we ch- on our videos. We if if we have a sponsor like the, to this episode as a sponsor, we never put a mid roll uh, on the videos. Yeah. If it's a uh, that doesn't have a sponsor, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. If there's a natural break, but I try try to not do because that's my biggest pet peeve is uh, watching when it's like you know, not logged in or something, and it's like a bunch in between the video. I will say this. um, I mean, this is probably true of Twitch. Like, actual YouTube ad revenue at this point is like a pretty small part of our, our, like, total revenue. In much the same way that it's like, yeah, getting a a worse cut of sub revenue on Twitch. Yeah, you're making less money, but like, you're also, you're still getting, most of your money, I assume, is happening through like donations and bits and stuff like that. Yeah. And like uh, sponsorship deals. So. I guess. Anyway, on top of all of that, this week, Bloomberg published an article focusing on a study conducted over the past two years, which found that Twitch is basically a goldmine for pedos who log on to Twitch, flip through their Twitch streams until they find naive, underage streamers, and then... Get in the chat and encourage them to dance around and show off more of their bodies and other gross shit that feels sick to even mention. Uh, Twitch does have 
enforcement policies in place for this kind of thing, and they have teams that deal with it, and technically they don't even allow anyone under 13 to stream, but the report basically makes the case that it's not nearly enough, and a lot of this stuff is falling through the cracks, and it's like plain as day for anyone who looks for it. Yeah, so from the article, uh, the researcher assembled databases of Twitch accounts by manually identifying live streams of young people and determining which of their followers also track other children. One data set represents predatory users, those believed to be adults targeting children, who each possess a follower list composed of at least 70% kids or young teens. The researcher created a separate data set of apparent children targeted by these accounts and reported instances of overt predation to the NCMEC and to Twitch. The person has studied internet harassment and extremism for years and requested anonymity due to concerns over potential career repercussions from being associated with such a disturbing topic. Bloomberg verified that the 1,976 accounts had numerous children in their following lists. Bloomberg also reviewed live video recordings and other documentation and analysis by the researcher. In the course of reporting, Bloomberg discovered additional live videos and predatory accounts not cataloged by the researcher, suggesting the problem could be even more widespread than the data portrays. And uh, yeah, here's some more on how this works. And warning, this is all pretty nasty. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to leave out the worst of the worst. But you, there will, uh, as always, there are links to the yeah. uh, articles below. But uh, we also have to uh, maintain YouTube has no context when it comes to analyzing no. the, the stuff that people talk about. So, yeah. So here you go. The reporting shows how alleged predators are able to target multiple children simultaneously using common grooming tactics. In late July, one Twitch voyeur entered the live stream of four different young users and asked them to perform acts including spicy dares, slang for requests that may be indecent or vulgar. One stream attracted 290 viewers. In that case, Twitch shut down the broadcast after 30 minutes, but others go unmoderated. In mid-August, 650 live viewers watched a girl who said she was 11 and alone in her bedroom. She displayed a sign with her Twitch username and the number 12, the age she would turn in a few weeks. Viewers in the chat asked her to do a fashion show and show her legs. Ugh. This is the, disgusting. An archived clip of the performance was viewed 3,700 times. The live streams of apparent children and preteens are easy to identify in channel's thumbnails. In one search, they made up five of the first 15 results. And the articles also list other examples of this happening, which we're not going to read because they are so offensive and gross. But it sounds like it's a pretty huge problem, which even if Twitch did take more seriously, would still be in impossible to fully stop. And it's horrifying stuff, especially for a parent. And this is a type of stranger danger, which literally did not exist when today's parents were children. So they might not even know to look out for it or talk to their kids about it. And sadly, based on how Twitch usually operates, it's not something that they're going to really care much about until something especially terrible happens or uh, a expose like this is released, forcing them to uh, make changes. But yeah, this is one of those things where it's like just like on YouTube when it went through its, uh, you know, Spider-Man Elsa shit. It's it's like you could definitely uh, assume that this is going on. That was, So like with YouTube had this thing a few years back where it was like innocuous, like, sort of family home videos of like the kids down at the pool or whatever people were like finding just like crazy view counts and just like comment section just full yeah, like of time like, codes oh, were like, being shared yeah uh, it's yeah. like they, you, they tracked it you all lift back up to... a rock and it's just like oh there's a million fucking pedophiles mm -hmm. in here yeah um but like this is worse because these people are literally interacting with children yeah. directly mm -hmm. um yeah it's fucking ugh i don't like this one bit no talk to your fucking kids mm-hmm 
But let's move over to some thankful... So happy to have some lighter news uh, yeah. about Twitch's competitor, YouTube, a company that can also never seem to fix its shit. One of YouTube's biggest problems has, of course, been its recommendation algorithm, which in the most extreme cases has been found to send impressionable young minds down some very dark rabbit holes very quickly. But even for users who aren't into right-wing conspiracy content and not as susceptible to it, getting YouTube to actually recommend content you actually want to see seems a lot harder than it should be even when you thumbs down a video or open the pull-down menu and click not interested. And that's because neither of those things really does anything. It's like the button at cool. the crosswalk. Yeah. <laughs> yep, anytime now, it's going to be my time. Here's uh, The Verge with more. Even when users tell YouTube they aren't interested in certain types of videos, similar recommendations keep coming, a new study by Mozilla found. Using video recommendations data from more than 20,000 YouTube users, Mozilla researchers found that buttons like not interested, dislike, stop recommending channel, and remove from watch history are largely ineffective at preventing similar content from being recommended. Even at their best, these buttons still allow through more than half the recommendations similar to what a user said they weren't interested in, the report found. At their worst, the buttons barely made a dent in blocking similar videos. And here's the section with more precise figures. Compared to the baseline control group, sending the dislike and not interested signals were only marginally effective at preventing bad recommendations, preventing 12% of 11% of bad recommendations, respectively. Don't recommend channel and remove from history buttons were slightly more effective. They prevented 43% and 29% of bad recommendations. But researchers say the tools offered by the platform are still inadequate for steering away unwanted content. Cool. I'm shocked. I can't believe this. And I'm sure you can't either, the uh, person watching this who uh, just gets like louder with Crowder uh, recommendations uh, and just other bullshit you're not interested in all. Yeah, there was a... Hey, I think you're really going to like this Jordan Peterson clip. It, people do it all the time, but there was one like two weeks ago where someone like recorded a speed run of logging out of YouTube. Yeah, brand then, new account and it's like, like Nazi shit. All right, pipeline <laughs> yeah. within minutes. Yeah, no, it's wild. Yeah. Um... But yeah, uh, there's there's one feature that I love and I can never find it. It's like it randomly pops up. Uh, I watch a lot of like uh, video essays on abandoned shit yeah. and, and ruined businesses and stuff like that, like Kmart, whatever, documentaries and buildings. But uh, there, I've seen it pop up and like, we talked this, about it, uh, the, the new to you. Yeah. The, oh, there, yeah, yeah. There's a, we've talked about it on the show they, when they like debuted it and new to you is great because it's, it's, they only show channels that you've never watched a video from, but based on what you watch, but that button it yeah. is impossible to find. I feel like they hide it once they get you locked into something. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, if you don't come back, they'll be like, all right, have some more as a treat. My problem is, like, lately YouTube's been recommending mostly videos I've already seen. That I'm, too. I'm just like, there are probably thousands of videos based on my activity on here and my interests that you could be showing me, but you're recommending videos I literally watched, like, last week. The one thing, what the fuck? The, the one thing I'll say that it, it's gotten better at is keeping you uh, within a channel. Yeah. And with the, with their autoplay, because I do just throw things on autoplay while I'm playing like De Destiny or whatever. I'll just watch. For like... me, it always ends up back at John Oliver for some reason. <laughs> That's where Auto you're within uh... like two or three autoplay. I'm a, I'm in the John Oliver pipeline. <laughs> I am in I am legitimately in the defunct land pipeline. If oh, I'm nice. watching anything else, like that's the abandoned shit. Yeah, it goes within. Uh, uh, there's like one or two uh, defunct lands that I haven't seen, and it always tries to shove me back into those. I can't remember which ones they are right now, but it's like they're probably really good. Yeah, it's just that it's something in like fucking Pennsylvania that I have no probably, frame of reference. Probably for. his Muppet videos. <laughs> Could be. Anyway, so to everyone watching this, who keeps telling you, dude, stop playing our videos? Damn it. 
I hate these guys. <laughs> we're sorry. Yeah.、Uh, for everyone else who actually wants to be here, though,、uh, we're also. Pretty curious how effective that thumbs up button actually is. Does that do anything? It doesn't seem like this channel gets recommended to very many non-subscribers. Yeah, our only but, peaks、uh, and valleys are like Hassan watched a video and we got some subscribers, and then like there yeah, was it's a, all off-platform、uh, shit. Eric from Internet Comment, we did something with him, and it's like collaboration is the only way to really yeah, grow. It seems like, but the algorithm has decided we are、uh, not worth. We have our community, <laughs> and we never leak outside of it, which、yeah. is potentially good.、Um, like、it's it's like being in a cult. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the thumbs up work, and I also I also like that it keeps、uh, me on the same channel. So people that don't watch our like shows during the week, if they click on like Weekly Weird, they、yeah. watch the full week behind it. Usually, usually, you <laughs> watch everything. But hey, oh, that's what I was gonna say.、Uh, we have this like core group of five thousand people. Yeah, that like the video. They they click the button. I mean, yeah, and it it never goes like. Too far less or too far more.、Yeah. It's this. These I love these five thousand people who every time they're like, it is my duty to click like, and then I'll just you know even if it's just for engagement, I'll leave、yeah. a little comment. You're the ones that are keeping the channel alive. You know who you are. Yes, thank you. Thank you for to、service. our brave five thousand. But hey, look, we might be stalled out here, but maybe there's a new way to possibly grow our channel. YouTube Shorts. <laughs> I got a lot of opinions on this.、Uh, <laughs> YouTube Shorts is basically YouTube's version of TikTok—vertical short videos that you can scroll through indefinitely. On TikTok, barely anyone aside from top creators is making actual money directly off their videos, and on YouTube, literally no one was making money—at least until now. At an all-hands meeting this week, YouTube announced that they're bringing ads to Shorts and will be paying creators 45% of the ad money. Now, this is smaller than the typical 55% that creators get for ads on normal YouTube videos. But it's something, and potentially a lot more lucrative than what TikTok is offering with its creator fund. And who knows how much more money China's willing to throw、yeah. onto that furnace? Anyway, I mean, we'd love to take advantage of this kind of thing. Hell, for a while we were even posting clips to TikTok that seemed to be getting some traction. But there's a big dumb problem here. Susan, are you listening? Creators that make normal videos and make shorts have all their videos and shorts just lumped together in their videos tab. It's a big fucking mess. Yes, and I hate it. It makes the it makes the experience of YouTube like cluttered and、yeah. and honestly bad looking because when you make a video,、uh, a lot of channels and us included spend a good amount of time on the thumbnail to make the aesthetic of everything look right. And then you go through your subscribing or your subscriptions, and it's like a bunch of things that just look like TikTok screenshots. Oh well, yeah. There's that. I mean, look, we typically post four videos a week, which is probably more than most channels. Clogging up our video tab with a bunch of shorts would just create a big old mess. Yeah,、I、very unsightly. Drive away viewers, probably too. Yeah. So basically, YouTube needs to. This is a very simple fix. Make a new separate tab for shorts. And they cannot enter into the regular. Yeah,、one. you got the video tab and the shorts tab. Because they have a shorts tab, but that doesn't matter because the shorts are everywhere. Yeah. So I mean, for us and a lot of other creators, until you do that, the shorts are going to remain unappealing. Just、yes. saying. I believe. I don't know how effective it is, but I think you can just like with Twitch make clips of videos. I've never seen one pop up. Yeah. Can you only do it of your own video? No. I, people have done it for us, but like. I don't know where, where that goes. Yeah, like people have linked them to me on Twitter, and I click on. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like, it's a, it's like a Twitch clip, but of a YouTube video. But like, I don't know where. I don't know how you would ever find those. Put a tab on our channel and have them collected and show who clipped them, and just like Twitch, and that would be beneficial. But I also don't want to. That's why I never use the like the basically the tweet fu- functionality on YouTube. Yeah, it's like I don't want to bother you. 
I feel like the, the uploads are enough. Enough. You don't want to be bothered. And when I use YouTube, I don't like seeing the shorts. Yeah. I go there to watch content that's like 30 minutes long while I play a game or, or eat dinner. I've seen some good shorts. But it's not what I come for. I'm not clicking on any shorts. I'm sorry. I've seen some all right ones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've got more news coming up. But first, this episode... Is sponsored by Beard Club. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Fellas, it's no secret that women love beards and men love growing them. And okay. men love them too. Mm. Gay men, straight men, twinks, bears, otters. Mm. I wish I could grow one. Yeah, some people can't. But you know what? Having a great looking beard requires work. Whether it's beard growth oils, styling products, or a top-of-the-line trimmer, there's a small army of products required to grow your best beard. Luckily, Beard Club is here to help. As the leader in beard-first men's growth and grooming, Beard Club delivers quality hardware and consumables that'll help you get a better, thicker, and fuller-looking beard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used my fair share of beard products over the years. This is genuinely some high-quality shit. These guys know what they're doing. Uh, in particular, their beard oil, beard balm, and extra-large beard brush are absolutely essential for keeping a beard like this feeling soft and in control. And their trimmer is uh, genuinely one of the best trimmers I've ever used. There you go. So head to beardclub.com slash todaydaily, take the beard quiz, and use our code todaydaily at checkout. They'll recommend a grooming kit that's tailored to your beard's needs. The highlight of this grooming kit is the PT45 trimmer. It's truly a beard-changing device. There's no painful hair pulling, it's sturdy as hell, and has amazing battery life. This is the same trimmer that NBA player James the Beard Harden uses. Yes, he's also an investor in the company. And the growth kit features sprays to strengthen and moisturize your beard hair, oils that prime follicles for optimal growth, and a derma roller that rejuvenates dormant hair follicles. I need that. Yeah. Get that going. rolling, yeah. It would look so weird if I showed up with a beard one day, though. It'd be like an (laughs) M&M situation. How did that happen? (laughs) No matter what type of beard you have, Beard Club has the perfect kit to fit your needs. Beard Club. Over 2 million beards served. Grow your best beard today and take 20% off your first order when you go to beardclub.com slash todaydaily and use code todaydaily. That is beardclub.com slash todaydaily, code todaydaily for 20% off your first order. This episode is also sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You got a packed schedule this fall? HelloFresh has meals covered with a weekly selection of 30-plus recipes and 70-plus convenience items all delivered to your door. There's always something new on the menu. With family-friendly to fit and wholesome or even veggie recipes, there's something to please everyone. We're big fans of the quick 20-minute recipes HelloFresh offers, and next, next week's menu has the sesame soy pork bowls with sriracha mayo, cilantro, and crispy onions, and also the shrimp and sun-dried tomato spaghetti with fresh parsley, almonds, and parmesan. Both of these are Hall of Fame recipes rated 5 out of 5 stars, and they're also available in other meat or non-meat versions. And also, if you get sriracha in the mail from HelloFresh, you can keep it, but you can't buy that stuff in the stores anymore. There's a shortage. Oh, there's a shortage again? The company that makes it, yeah. it's, a, it's a shortage. Well, Off the shelves. You gotta get all the HelloFreshes in yeah, and put them away. Use your sriracha wisely. Mm-hmm. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Newsday65 and use code Newsday65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's code Newsday65 at HelloFresh.com slash Newsday65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Back to the news now, though, and it's, of course, keynote season with events from big phone manufacturers. But graphics card company NVIDIA also held a keynote this week, GTC. The biggest announcement that most people are going to care about are the new GPUs, of course. And NVIDIA revealed the 
$1,599 RTX 4090 Damn. and the $899 RTX 4080, which both seem extremely powerful. And for that kind of money, they absolutely should be powerful. <laughs> but to show off just how powerful they are, NVIDIA showed off some pretty damn impressive real-time footage of some toy cars racing, running off just a single one of these new GPUs, featuring realistic real-time lighting, physics, particle effects, reflections, and so on. But how many Bitcoins can it mine? Um, well, I don't know if anyone's... It's no, not, you, it's so not you, lucrative you, anymore, and I think they no, also No, you can't. Well, it. you don't mind Bitcoin with GPUs, and Ethereum just had the merge, so... Like, oh! Um, I mean, it sounds like people are going to still maybe try to keep mining Ethereum with GPUs, but the incentive is far lower now. Mm. Um, so Good time to be a gamer, unless you like high-cost graphics cards. But that's inflation, baby! Yeah, I mean, uh, GPUs, it's always, like, diminishing returns. Like, unless you're extremely rich or just like absolutely obsessed with having the best of the best of the best, I think you'll be fine not having the 4090 GPU in your rig. Even the best gamers turn things off to boost the FPS into unshakable yeah. rates. Yeah, exactly. This thing never dips. Why would I want extra shadows or anti-aliens? I can open so many Excel spreadsheets with this 4090. I can open 10 Chrome tabs. My computer doesn't even melt down, but it's great in the winter. All these Itch.io games run so fucking smooth <laughs> on my RTX 4090 that cost me, uh, you know, $1,600. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, NVIDIA GPUs, they already power the backgrounds of all the big Star Wars shows on a Disney Plus, which are shot in basically a giant room made out of TVs. But it's still kind of insane seeing just how far real-time 3D graphics have come. I mean, it looks like you could render an entire early Pixar film in real time and still have a bunch of processing power left over, which is nuts considering how long it used to take to render just a single frame of cinema quality CGI. The rise of the VTuber is coming. Oh, yeah. It's already here, but the realistic VTuber, like, we're, we're getting old. One day, we're going to look the same age every single yeah. day because we're going to be virtually made up. Yeah, it's our, our max headroom era. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting in, in literally the gamer computer chair yeah. because I can't walk normally. Just an avatar. And it's just a, it's going to be me locked in at like 35 yeah. for the rest of my life. Uh, and then I will pass on the, the torch to, uh, you know, a family member who can take yeah. over as my avatar. And, and you can grow a beard in the metaverse. I still wouldn't do it. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> I want this to be accurate, okay? Yeah. Uh, so they also showed off gameplay footage of Microsoft Flight Simulator running on the RTX 4090 at high frame rates with RTX ray tracing on with what NVIDIA says is double the performance of their previous flagship RTX 3090 Ti. The footage genuinely looks amazing, but even more exciting is footage of Portal, a game that came out 15 years ago running a new RTX mod that NVIDIA will be releasing for free in November, which makes the game look like something that came out just this year. Yeah, this is wild. And it's a great game. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back in. It's been long enough that I will forget all the puzzles, so it'll be fun to play. Again. Yeah, it's been been a very long time. Yeah, and I do have the RTX. I don't, I've had the fucking RTX in my computer for almost a year now, and I I'm not even sure I've played a game that features ray tracing. Like I I've never turned I'm it the, on. I'm the guy I just described like two minutes ago. Yeah, I don't Who know just, if I turned it on like, for well, Cyberpunk you know. <laughs> or, or not. I, I can't I remember have, if I did. Or I played Cyberpunk before I got my current PC. I should probably go back in. Hey, Destiny plays smooth as hell. Plays great. A game that can literally play... It, it, it is, is almost like uh, Minecraft. It, it'll probably be ported to a potato soon. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it runs great on a completely overpowered GPU. I just like that I can export this video and it'll take five minutes. It's insane. 
insane. I sometimes I'll export from the office, yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah, because I think that one has like an AMD, like an older AMD yeah, in it. It's like, oh shit, I'm gonna be it's here like for 45 minutes. Yeah, shit. I have to go for a walk. Yeah, damn. On the mean streets of Burbank, where anything could happen. Anyway, the Portal RTX mod is basically a proof of concept for something called RTX Remix, which NVIDIA is pitching as this new, very easy way to create RTX graphics mods for old moddable games. And they demonstrate this with The Elder Scrolls III Morrowind, a 20-year-old game, which not only gets the RTX lighting upgrade, but also uh, gets what looks like a complete asset and texture upgrade, uh, presumably all sourced from NVIDIA's Omniverse platform. I will buy Skyrim for the 10th time. If they get that on Skyrim, I think it probably already does. I've, I've, I've like yeah, over-modded Skyrim there's before. There's got to definitely be an yeah. RTX mod for Skyrim. Uh, NVIDIA also announced a new processor called Thor, which <laughs> is targeted specifically at automakers working on autonomous driving. They say Thor is capable of handling two quadrillion AI operations per second and will absolutely scale up to full autonomy once that's possible. The demonstration of Thor capturing real-time 3D data from an autonomous car's sensors and instantly converting that data into an accurate 3D simulation seems really impressive, though we are definitely still a bit bearish on whether fully autonomous driving is coming as quickly as any of the companies working on it say it is. Yeah. Uh, specifically because all the companies are making it prohibitively expensive. So it's just going to be rich people causing accidents and driving oh, without that. their hands. And there's also, um, it, it, is a bit of, it is a bit unfortunate the, that the poster child of oh yeah all of this um you know keeps keeps getting caught with their pants down wait a second it's almost the end of september doesn't <laughs> that poster child have something to reveal to the world uh, soon yeah where's the robot elon i believe that's actually next week it's like oh september 30th or something he's supposed to well listen great content incoming could you imagine he actually like the the, the crazy thing is I will, that I will the actual on... the debut of something that actually works and does what he says would be more shocking than anything else. Yeah, no, I will get down on my knees and apologize if that robot is anything like what he's been pitching it as. I'm excited to see this. I didn't make the promise, you did. I will do it. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of which, yeah, one company in particular has definitely overpromised the most when it comes to self-driving. That company is, of course, Tesla, who literally markets features with names like autopilot and full self-driving, which sound a whole lot more capable than what they actually are. Uh, a lot of critics, including government regulators, feel that this is false advertising, which can and has resulted in crashes due to drivers placing too much faith in their car's autonomous abilities. But now, Tesla is being sued by its own customers for false advertising. Oof. Uh, here's TechCrunch. A lawsuit was filed Wednesday in the California Northern District Court alleging that Tesla's ADAS systems cause vehicles to run red lights, miss turns, and veer into traffic, all while costing Tesla owners thousands of dollars. <laughs> Tesla vehicles come standard with an ADAS known as autopilot. However, owners have been able to upgrade the system for versions with more features for a cost. Tesla also sells enhanced autopilot and the so-called full self-driving software. FSD continues to increase in price and is now $15,000. <laughs> Briggs Matsko, the named plaintiff in the lawsuit, said he paid $5,000 for his 2018 Tesla Model X to get enhanced autopilot. The complaint alleges that Tesla and its CEO Elon Musk have been deceitfully advertising its ADAS tech as either fully functioning or close to being solved since 2016, despite knowing full well that the capabilities of autopilot and FSD don't live up to the hype. The article also has some nice gems from the lawsuit itself, like this. 
Although these promises have been proven false time and time again, Tesla and Musk have continued making them to generate media attention, to deceive consumers into believing it has unrivaled cutting-edge technology, and to establish itself as a leading player in the fast-growing electric vehicle market. Tesla has yet to produce anything even remotely approaching a fully self-driving car. Instead, Tesla pushes out updates to its experimental FSD beta software to a small minority of Tesla owners who effectively act as untrained test engineers testing experimental software on public roadways. And yeah, no lies detected. Um, I, I don't know how a court will interpret this, but um, yeah. If he had just called these features literally anything else, like most Ass of the Driving problem, assistant features. Yeah. It's like what uh, Ford has it. Yeah, no, most most uh, cars over like fifty, sixty thousand dollars have some form of ADAS system in place now. Yeah. That is pretty similar to Tesla's autopilot. Yeah. Like it stays in the lane and uh, you know, auto it will automatically stop uh, before your reflexes are able to in the case of like a sudden crash or something. But typically it's uh, for like backup emergency yeah. situations. And like you you it, for a split second aren't paying attention or a kid like literally runs in yeah, front of your car. It's, it's not advertised as like Hey, kick back and... Yeah. yeah. They're just additional safety features. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting lawsuit. Elon's got his fair share of lawsuits, and uh, here's another for the pile. Yeah, let's close out this episode with some space news. Of all the planets in our solar system, Saturn is probably the coolest looking one of the bunch because it's got those sick rings going around it, which e look even sicker when you factor in Saturn's prominent axial tilt which make it look like it's constantly tipping its hat to the universe. <laughs> Milady, <laughs> the ultimate incel planet. My universe. <laughs> yeah. The question of how exactly Saturn ended up the way it has has always puzzled scientists, but a recent study puts forward an interesting theory. Here's the Atlantic. Saturn has quite the collection of moons, more than any other planet in the solar system. There's Enceladus, blanketed in ice, with a briny ocean beneath its surface. There's Eopetus, half of which is dusty and dark, and the other shiny and bright. There are Hyperion, a rocky oval that bears a striking resemblance to a sea sponge, and Pan, tiny and shaped just like a cheese ravioli. But one moon might be missing. According to a new study, Saturn once had yet another moon, about the same size as Eopetus, which is the third largest satellite in Saturn's collection. The moon orbited the ringed planet for several billion years, minding its own business, doing moon things, until about 100 million to 200 million years ago, when other Saturnian moons started messing with it. The interactions between them pushed the unlucky moon closer to Saturn, too close to remain intact. Gravity shredded it to bits. Something remarkable might have come out of all this. While most of the moon debris fell into Saturn's atmosphere, some of the pieces hung back, whirling around the planet until they splintered further and flattened into a thin, delicate disk. This lost moon, the authors of the study say, is responsible for Saturn's trademark feature, the rings. So basically, the rings that orbit Saturn are really just the leftovers from a catastrophic disaster that happened hundreds of millions of years ago. Like the hubcaps that orbit America's highways, but way more beautiful. Yeah, you know, the, the, the bumpers. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's nature, baby. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's making its way back into the Earth. Just catastrophic. A fucking moon crashing into a planet. But it looks really cool. Yeah. They also got a good shot of Neptune recently, which also has... Uh, yeah, Neptune's got a, a smaller ring, you know. It's got a little cock ring on it. Neptune's actually the fedora. Saturn is like a sombrero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, mi mujer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, so speaking of beautiful disasters, let's close things out today with one more bit of space news, specifically the Space Force. Uh, news about that semi-recent military... Men, our men and women of the Space Force. Uh, yes. The Space Force is, as of 2019, its own separate branch of the U.S. military. And as such, 
It now has its own official theme song. It's called Where We Go One, We Go All. No. And it's... <laughs> Anyways, rather than just play it for you, we're going to sing along to it because like all military songs, this was written to be sung and sung with pride. With the fire of my team, watchful eye. The guardians beyond the sky blue. <laughs> the invisible front line. More fighters brave and true. They gotta boldly reach the lyrics into space. There's no limit to our space. Sing guard both night and day. We're the Space Force from LA. That's it? Yeah, no, it's it's short and sweet. Well, the thing is, is like it's our first time hearing it. By the time I hear it five, ten, fifty times, I'll be standing up, putting my heart on my chest, and singing well, it. No, at, I don't, uh, I don't want any more military game. songs. Stop. So yeah, I mean, like that was, that was beautiful. Um, you know, we have all those other military songs. The Marines got one. The Army's got one. I mean, they were written like a hundred something years ago. So it is a little odd hearing a similar sounding song. For a new branch that who just, wrote that just one? John up. Mayer. Um, I'm sure this, I, Donald Trump probably wrote it himself. Could be, yeah. Or maybe Tiffany. She had that music career. That's true. Could be. But yeah, God bless our men and women of the U.S. Space Force. Semper Supra, as they say. Yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, uh, national traditions, uh, throwing out the first pitch. Of course, a big tradition here in America. Yeah. Following the national anthem, usually. It's uh, it's how uh, all of our celebrities, all of our dignitaries, embarrass themselves yes. by uh, showing how hard it is for an average person to actually throw a baseball. Uh, speaking of dignitar- dignitaries, uh, the Chicago White Sox, they're one of their like relief pitchers, uh, Liam Hendricks, big metal fan. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, tomorrow, Papa Emeritus from Ghost is throwing out the first pitch at in, the Chicago White full, Sox. Uh, Why? In what, yeah, what other way would he be able to, to show up? Well, interesting. So That's that'll exciting. be... The people of Chicago are about to be very confused. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's great. Wow. I, I can't wait to see like a MLB or like John Boy breakdown of people who have like no idea. <laughs> what the fuck is this? This seems satanic. And it's also going to be the same thing that anyone who hears Ghost again, they're going to be like, so I went and checked him out. Turns out they sound like an 80s metal band yeah, and they, not, uh, you know, they uh, sound like Jimmy Borger or something. They a lot more fun than I was uh, expecting <laughs> yeah. based on their visuals. Yeah. Anyway, that's our episode, our long episode. Good Lord. Um, if you haven't already, talk about those GTA 6 leaks in our previous video. And, um, you know, the game's ruined. It looks like shit. I guess it's going to be bad. <laughs> and then uh, our, on our previous Weekly Weird News, we, we talked about the Queen and how much we love her. I didn't say the name. You did. It's almost done now. Can Liz- you feel it? Lizzo number two. She has finally ascended. Yes. Out of the pop culture sphere. She's We've moved been, on. She's been shot in space like all royals. This is actually Twitch's fault. Yeah, it is. What a week to take focus away from royalty. Anyways, that's it for our show. Click the links over here. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the join button if you want to contribute financially. Leave a comment. Hey, thanks to all our 5,000 likers out there. Yeah. Click the like button again. We love you. See you, you next should, time. They should, the 5,000 should have their own song. <laughs> We're the 5,000 5, likers. All right, bye.